Are you finding it difficult to be patient? How can you be tolerant of a world that isn't going the way you want it to go? Welcome to episode 333 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Patty, Joy, Jenny, Penelope, and Barry. They use the donation button on their website. Thank you, Patty, Joy, Jenny, Penelope, and Barry for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, I would like to state that in this show, we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who came. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you'll find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I am your host today. Joining me today is Eric. Welcome, Eric. Good morning, Spencer. Memorial Day here in Greenwich, Connecticut. Yeah, no parades or anything today, I guess. Huh? Just around the house, just parading around the house in <laughs> my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you've uh, got a little bird chorus in the background there. I, I am sitting outside on my uh, porch. I had a round deck chair since my daughters are still sleeping. Oh, sounds very nice. Yeah. And I'm I'm joined by my dog who we went for a walk earlier and he was panting earlier. He seems to have cooled down, but we may hear him from time to nice. time. I wanted to start with this reading from In All Our Affairs. This is page one thirty, it's becoming entirely ready. Right. And it reads Even when I'm willing to change, I cannot make it happen instantly. Even though Al-Anon has helped me to look not at others, but at myself, I find I am as impatient with myself as I used to be with others. I want to be rid of self-centeredness. I pray about it and try to change my old thought patterns, but I'm still self-centered. I'm frustrated. I'm trying so hard, but God hasn't fixed me yet. I wonder if one of the most important virtues God wants me to have is patience. Maybe patience with ourselves is the middle ground between thinking we're perfectly justified in our ways and thinking we're the worst people in the world. Mm. And we also have a very similar reading from our daily reader, Courage to Change. I know I don't have the book in all our affairs, but I do have Courage to Change. This is from January 1st, which I'm going to take as sort of a a hint that this is important, uh, since it's the very first thing in the book. What do you think? Maybe. Says, we live in a society of instant gratification. Instant coffee, instant breakfast, instant money from our local ATM. It's everywhere we look. No wonder so many of us arrive at Al-Anon's doors looking for instant answers to all the problems that come from living with and loving an alcoholic. Recovery is a process. It takes time to regain, reclaim, and recoup all that was lost while we tried on our own to cope with active drinking. Building trust takes time. Change takes time. Healing old wounds takes time. There are no immediate ready-made solutions. But the tools and principles of our program, steps, traditions, slogans, meetings, sponsorship, service, can lead us to the answers that are right for us. We all have dark times in our lives, but the journey to better times is often what makes us happier, stronger people. When we stop expecting instant relief, we may come to believe that where we are today is exactly where our higher power would have us be. And the reminder says, Al-Anon is a a one-day-at-a-time program. No matter what is going on around me today, I know that I am moving forward. I will trust the process of recovery. I'll let time take time. Yeah. So today we wanted to talk about tolerance and patience. Uh, I know you had told me a while ago that those were becoming very important for you in the in the current situation the pandemic the the isolation the things aren't doing what we want them to do time uh, and it's about freaking time you called me to do this episode <laughs> therein lies the problem for me <laughs> time yeah. takes time patience and tolerance <laughs> this one has been one of the toughest for me to route out or root out or whatever the saying is because I've been a go-go person like a lot of people just trying to get things done and succeeding in large part but 
we're in a time of forced tolerance. There really is not a lot we can do about what's going on. In fact, there's very little other than take measures to protect ourselves and behave well around others. So, man, if there's ever a time in the world with this pandemic going on now for the third month, patience is a virtue and worth looking at. And tolerance, and I even chucked in restraint (laughs) in some of my messages to you. So what is tolerance? What is patience? We have some definitions. I think we do. Right. Tolerance is a personality trait. It reflects an attitude of open-mindedness and acceptance of the behavior, beliefs, and values of others. It's a term that is associated with psychological resilience, which arises from the ability to tolerate stress of various forms without negative consequences. Pretty good. Mm. Pretty good. Pretty good. Patience. um, I have a definition for patience here, yes. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Actually, it lists tolerance as a synonym, and probably the other way as well. Also, restraint, self-restraint. And and then you wrote P-I-S-O. <laughs> my my self-anointed uh, acronym for pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. Oh, okay. okay. And, uh, yeah, I used to write that on my hand. Yeah. And I think the the ability to exercise patience and tolerance and restraint, really, it's the antidote for suffering, maybe. It is definitely something that can help. We have this second definition for tolerance here, the capacity to endure continued subjection to something without adverse reaction. Sounds very similar to that, right? Like, okay, this thing is happening... I don't like it, but if I have tolerance of it, I suffer less. The example sentence they have here for this definition, the camel shows the greatest tolerance to dehydration. You know, like, it doesn't suffer when it's in a dry situation because it has tolerance for that situation. So... Yeah, that makes sense to me. Where I kind of started with these, like all the times that you and I get into a deep dive on something, the more I think about it, the more I see evidence that I need help with it. And higher power steps in and says, yeah, okay, check this out. Now get stuck by the longest line at the grocery store. Okay, now now take a look at how you feel. And and really it was, I'm looking at the opposites is where I want to stay away from, which is impatience, intolerance. And lack of restraint. It's the negative stuff that, that, that holds us back and, and keeps us down and, and becomes bothersome. So it's impatience where I started noticing a lot of examples, like always, when we open our eyes and start to really plug into a topic, I get all kinds of examples. Yeah. I don't know if it works that way with you. There's a Courage to Change uh, reading on April 12th that says, God, grant me patience, Lord, and hurry. Yeah. <laughs> God, grant me serenity. And do it now. Yeah, I, I probably have referred to this on the podcast before, but every time I hear that, I think about this skit from the Second City Troop of Toronto. I think it's called Taekwon Leap. My daughter's karate school called it Boot to the Head. It's set in a karate studio, and there's this guy who's really impatient. The sensei is is telling him he has to be patient. And he says, yeah, yeah, patience. How long is that going to (laughs) take? And, of course, the teaching technique that the sensei uses is to kick the guy in the head. (laughs) Why why they called it boot to the head. I like it. Maybe this episode is the boot to the head I needed to get my arms around patience, tolerance, and restraint. But it it is so real. Yeah, I need to have patience. How long is that going to (laughs) take? I need I need it now. Yeah, right. God grant me patience and hurry. Uh, yep. I love this little one. quote that you put right below it. I guess it's from mm-hmm. a Courage to Change mm-hmm. reading. If the bread isn't done, I don't take it out of the oven and insist that it's time to eat. Right. With, with so many people baking bread right now, I, I bet that one might hit home a little bit more for people than it might have previously. Yeah. I don't know. 
You have something here about a story about impatience. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, when I'm looking at a subject, thinking that doing a dive on it, because it's right there. What happened? Multiple things. When I'm looking at a topic and I think I need to work on it, all of a sudden I get, and, and again and again and again, I get examples of it. And sure enough, I'm in the Blueprint for Progress Friday four-step meeting. And we're at the end of the book again. Mm -hmm. I've been through the book multiple times over the years. It takes a year in our scenario to get through it because mm -hmm. there's 26 chapters, 26 character traits, and we repeat roughly 52 weeks. It comes my time to read from the summary character traits, top of the page. I think it's page 71. Patient, impatient, tolerant. Intolerant. Uh, you know, <laughs> How could that happen? Yeah. <clears throat> that it's my turn to share, and, and the top of the page is where I start with those. Uh, <sighs> Hello. Yeah. So, so the story. Uh, getting to the story, I was out on a date, and it was going well, very well. Uh, and it was not so long ago. We went to a place where I know the owner very well, and he allowed us to sit in the corner, <laughs> have a nice dinner. Would really, really great, fun evening someone I've known for a while. And then I said goodnight. She sent me a text saying what a wonderful evening she'd had. And then here's where restraint comes in. I, I went further and pressed on about getting together again the next day and, and went too far. I guess in this case, well, I've used it. Restraint of tongue and thumb. Okay. The text messaging. I, I really should just chop them off after I have mm -hmm. something go well and just step back and, and see what unfolds. But I tend to overdo it and press press harder than I needed to. So the next day, Sunday, I'm beating myself up. I feel I went too far and she reacted to it negatively about pressing. So I'm beating myself up all day. It's a warm, sunny day two, two or three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, what can I do? I get in the car. I got to do something. I'm just feeling really, I'd made it amends. I did mm -hmm. that. At least mm -hmm. I had that. But I still couldn't get out of my a funky, as I put it in a text to you, my Eeyore state. Yes. Oh, is me. Everything's bad. I've been waiting to get started on my garden. It's a warm day. Maybe that'll do it. So I go, and I'll start with something easy, the window boxes. Go to Home Depot, and then I'm just miserable. It's people who stand, and all the flowers have been picked over. And I said, eh, I'm not going to do it. But the flowers I always use for my window boxes are impatience mm -hmm. come on the, the, the impatience didn't look good and i didn't even realize the connection dummy yeah. until i drove away and you know, <laughs> you know discussed i'm not getting they're all picked through there's only crappy ones i'm not getting these flowers and then i'm thinking about it impatience holy smokes man what are you gonna slap me in the face yeah. <laughs> so I drove around looking for something else, still feeling Eeyore, and uh, drove into the little Korean market, which has great v vegetables nearby. And right out front is this beautiful rack of purple and gold pansies. Said, you know what? I'm not going to go with impatience this year. I'm going with pansies. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. That's what I did. Yeah, that's I my story, and and everything passed, and the next day things were fine. Okay, so how do we? I mean, those two readings we started with says look, the program is gradual, change doesn't come right away. But oh, man, I tell you what, when I came in, I wanted things to be different right now, yep. and I was wishing for things to be different right now. My wife was in an inpatient treatment program when I was at my first meeting, and they didn't keep her quotes long enough because insurance or something. And and I just wanted her to be sober and be done with it. And what? That kind of didn't happen. And it's a good thing that I started hearing things like progress, not perfection, and one day at a time. It's like, well, it's not all fixed today, but... I can get through today, right? Actually, this one, where a, a member of AA who asked his sponsor, hey, nothing's happening. I can't see any changes. Yeah. Yeah. He's talking to his sponsor. He says, nothing's happening. I don't see any changes. I'm still the same broken, effed up person. 
And the sponsor says, okay, I want you to do this thing. I want you to hang up now and go outside and lie in the grass for 10 minutes and just see what's see what's up out there. And the guy's like, really? What, what are you talking about? Just do it. Just do it. Trust me. Like, okay. So he goes out and he lays in the grass. And he calls his sponsor back. He says, yeah, nothing's happening. And the sponsor's like, well, yeah, but what happens in a week if you don't mow the lawn? Okay, the grass is growing. It is changing. You can't see it on your time scale. And that is true for me. I've talked about when I was working the steps, and it took me a couple years with the group I was working with to go all the way through. And I got to step 12, and the first question in the Paths to Recovery book says, have you had a spiritual awakening? And I'm like, well, I don't know. (laughs) Because it was gradual. Because I didn't see it happening. I had to take time to stop and look back and ask myself, how does my life differ now from two years ago? And there was a huge difference that I didn't see happening one day at a time. And my wife was still drinking. Like that hadn't changed. But my life had changed. But I didn't see it happening a little bit at a time. And and that's, for me, that is like the key of patience is to be able to sit with things that I don't see anything happening, to understand that even though I don't see it, maybe it is happening. And that if I'm patient, things will arise. Well, going back to the story, and I heard that at a convention, I think, the AA speaker, and uh-huh, he said, uh-huh. you've left out the funniest part. When when Bob goes out to lay in the grass for 10 minutes, the neighbors all go, oh, geez, Bob's drinking again. <laughs> oh, no. You know, okay. you know, more yeah. police cars coming over in the middle of the night, things being smashed in the middle of the night. So, <laughs> I forgot that. He made, he, yeah. made, he made it pretty funny. So what do I use? I mean, meditation has become crucial. And, um, you know, I'm probably going on my fifth year since I heard from an elder statesman of our 12 and 12 that we can start that step out of order. And I did the next day. And it has largely reduced my imaginary sense of hurry that I had to fix it. I had to do something. I'm chipping away at patience and impatience and intolerance. By practicing meditation, that certainly helps. Courage to Change has a great one, June 13th, which is about hurry. And really, that to me is being impatient, is to want it to hurry. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I've said many times on the show with you, I read the Courage to Change cover to cover. You know, January 1st through December 31st, figuring by the end, they're going to tell me what to do. Didn't even notice there was a date on the top of the page. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, read it in one sitting. Blew through the book thinking, they're going to tell me what to do by the end. June 13th, though, is a good one. I will take time to clear my mind of unnecessary, hurried thoughts. There seems to be a limited amount of space in my mind until I do. But when I clear this clutter away, the space becomes limitless, and the guidance I'm truly willing to accept comes through. The spiritual exercise suggested by the 11th step is a powerful force for good in our lives. Let me not ever think I have no time for it from the dilemma of the alcoholic marriage. And our favorite phrase, if you don't have five minutes to meditate, take 10. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking about this thing about gradual, and I thought there was was a quote that I remembered from one of the books, but the, the closest that I can find right now is in From Survival to Recovery, where we find the gifts of Al-Anon or the Al-Anon promises, whatever people like to call them. On page 267, it starts, if we willingly surrender ourselves to the spiritual discipline of the 12 steps, our lives can be transformed. And then on page 268, can we really grow to such proportions? As we accept life as a continuing process of maturation and evolution towards wholeness, we gradually begin to notice these changes. We may see them first in those who walk beside us, 
Sometimes these changes happen slowly or haltingly, and occasionally with great bursts of brilliance. As we work the steps, we move ever closer toward light, toward health, and toward the higher power of our understanding. As we watch others grow, we realize we are also changing. <laughs> and it says, will we ever arrive? Will we feel joy all the time? I'm, I'm not going to read the rest of that paragraph because everybody has their own answer to that one, right? Mm-hmm. It brings out another thing that I think was really important to have patience about the program, which is seeing changes in other people. And other people seeing changes in me. I mean, that was really important to me, too. Early on, I'd been coming for maybe a month. And I was talking to somebody after the meeting, and this person said to me, you know what? You're smiling. I don't think I've seen you smile before. Would I have noticed that from inside? Maybe not. you got a lot of acronyms here. <laughs> uh, as yeah, I, as you are, yeah. <laughs> this one for me speaks to tolerance, love, let others voluntarily evolve. Yeah. I want somebody else to change at the rate. I want them to change, which is like right now, right away. And I can't change right now, right away. Why do I expect other people to change right now, right away? And so if I love them, I can let them evolve and I can be okay with it, Right. I went through yesterday how Elon works and looked at how many of our slogans reference patients. And there's about five or six of them. Mm-hmm. I didn't have it in front of me, but they're, they're all good. Obviously, one day at a time. Yes. E- easy does it for sure. Live and let live. Yeah, of course. Which, they're all good, good tools to use to try to slow down. The let live part of that is about patience and tolerance. The live part of that is encouraging us to move out and, and move forward. and Take care of ourselves. Yeah. There but for the grace of God, go I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that, that helped me to have tolerance for my loved one when she was still drinking. Or when she's engaging in other non-drinking alcoholic personality behaviors, which still happens. She's been sober for 14 and a half years, but that alcoholic personality, and she she admits it, the more is better personality, the I want what I want and I want it right now personality. I I have to understand that those are aspects of her personality that I think she wants them to be different. I would like them to be different sometimes, for sure. But I have to take the things that bug me with the things that I really love, right? In order to to live with other people. I mean, sure, you have this with your daughters, right? Yeah. I know I have it with my kids. (laughs) The other couple I made up here are miles per gallon, MPG on my car. I've used that all the time. If I'm noticing, I'm getting 18 miles per gallon. I'm not exercising patience and tolerance. Mm. I'm mm-hmm. slamming on the brakes and hitting the gas. So mindful present guidance. I can reboot that. And then one I made up, uh, I sent you a couple of times, Compass, my tool for daily course correction, compassion, open-minded with patience and acceptance with the steps and slogans, Compass. Mm. They like that one. Yeah. And a bunch of quotes I just assembled, but I think there's three or four, I think, in, in particular. Be not afraid of growing slowly. Be afraid of standing still. That's encouraged to change on August 7th. And sometimes, as we've said, it's really hard to see the difference sometimes, too. Yeah. The Zen proverb we've used a lot, if you understand, things are just as they are. If you don't understand, things are just as they are. So true. That's tolerance. So yeah. true. And the obvious one here, pretty obvious, Turkish proverb from May 14th, patience is the key to paradise. So we got a Kung Fu oh, yeah. quote so down we, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patience, patience. young grasshopper. Yeah, you play Kane, I'll play Master Poe. All right. Okay, patience, young grasshopper. Master Poe, close your eyes. What do you hear? I hear the water. I hear the birds. Do you hear your own heartbeat? No. Do you hear the grasshopper, which is at your feet? 
Old man, how is it that you hear these things? Young man, how is it that you do not? Mm -hmm. Which is about being present. It's impossible for me to be present if I'm being impatient. Because being impatient means that I want things to be different than what they are. Being intolerant means that I want things to be different than what they are. I can't be present in those cases. There's a great article. I read it again this morning from Psychology Today. The Power of Patience. The subtitle is The Importance of Patience as a Coping Skill and How to Achieve It. And I'll just try to summarize. Frustration is not the key to any door. Patience is a lifelong spiritual practice as well as a way to find emotional freedom. You can drive yourself crazy, behave irritably, feel victimized, or try to force an outcome. Or you can learn to transform frustration with patience. With patience, you're able to step back and regroup. In fact, patience gives you the liberating breath you've always longed to take. Frustration prevents emotional freedom. Mm -hmm. Conquering frustration will re revive your emotional life by making it your choice and how you handle daily hassles and stresses. Pretty good. I mean, there's a lot more to maybe the last page. To turn the tables on frustration, it says emotional action step, practicing patience in a long line. Oh, <laughs> somebody told me this, and I've said this in the rooms before. Early on, someone said, you, you got to slow down. And he probably said it better than that. <laughs> it, it was an early sponsor said, what I've done, and maybe you should try this. It worked for me is go to the grocery store and stand in the longest line. Mm -hmm. Like, are you out of your freaking mm -hmm. mind? So she says it right here, emotional action step, practicing patience in a long line. To turn the tables on frustration, find a long, slow-moving line to wait in. Perhaps it's in the grocery store, bank, post office, or if you're renewing your driver's license, dare to take on the mother of all lines at the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> Notice the stress release you feel and how your body relaxes. Lines are an excellent testing ground for patients. To strengthen this asset, I highly recommend standing in as many as possible. <laughs> Amazing that I found it. Someone referenced this reading or whatever in a share years and years ago, and there it is. One of the enemies of patients for me is trying to do too much. When I try to pack too many things into a day, into a trip with errands, I will inevitably get impatient. For my personal serenity and peace of mind, I need to build in breaks. I need to build in to my day downtime. If I don't get that, I get wound up. I get tense. I don't sleep as well. I think this idea about standing in a line to give me sort of that downtime, that break time, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, it's an exercise. Wanna, yeah. It's an exercise. It's absolutely an exercise. And these days, there are a lot more lines, aren't there? Yeah. But I don't I'm mind not, them as much. Yesterday, we wanted some instant gratification. Uh, we decided that it was time for us to graduate to a this century television set. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I know the last television set we bought, we bought it for a Winter Olympics, and I really don't remember which one, but I'm sure it was quite a while ago because the kids were still at home. And we haven't used it much because we mostly streaming and that TV doesn't do streaming, so... We've been watching shows on my laptop, which has a little bitty screen, but when it's sitting on my lap, it's 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 reasonable size. So we thought, it's time. And my wife wants to host uh, a Zoom meeting with some people actually present and, and people also on the Zoom. And she says, I need a bigger screen for that. So we said, okay, well, let's go to Costco. We looked online, saw what some of the options were. So we, had, we were a little bit prepared. So we, we went to Costco because, hey, that's where we go, right? In order to not have to stand in line too much, 
we tried to get there just before they were opening. And and that worked really well. Actually, we, we almost didn't have to stand in a line. But again, I was I was impatient. Like she takes a while to make transitions. So we get there and I want to be out of the car and in the line, like right now, because the line's just gonna get longer. And she has to get her stuff together and take a last drink from her coffee cup because obviously you can't bring that in and drink it through your mask and all that stuff. And and I go and, and I'm getting at the end of the line and then the line starts moving and I'm like, well, I can't go into the store without her. What am I going to do? So I send her a text and then I notice she's actually walking across the parking lot to where the line now is ahead of where I am. And I'm like, okay, the wages of impatience strike right here. <laughs> uh, so we came home with the TV and then it's like, let's get it set up right now. <laughs> so what happened to the one with the tubes and rabbit ears? Oh, no, it was, it was not tubes and rabbit ears, but <laughs> it's still sitting there. We offered it to our daughter. She said, I think that's smaller than my computer screen. So no, thanks. Uh, <laughs> it's just everything that we want to do now. We have to plan. I'm not a planner kind of guy, as you've probably noticed. Hey, Eric, you want to do a podcast tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) This is forcing me into thinking ahead a little bit more. As I've said before, I can't just drop into the grocery store when I'm out of some ingredient. I have to think ahead for what I'm going to need. And if if, if I then find that I don't have it because I didn't plan sufficiently, I figure out how to do... Without it, do something different. I think it's a good thing in the long run. It's very frustrating in the short run. Just a little while ago before we started, I sent you a link to, I wanted to look up, where did the phrase patience is a virtue come from? We've all heard that, right? Did you get that uh, link I sent I you? Did. Pretty Let's interesting. pull this up. Okay. We'll maybe finish with that. Yeah. What does cool. patience as a virtue mean? I said it. Yeah. yeah. Sentiment is a reflection upon someone's ability to wait for something by calling it a virtue or state of moral excellence. It leads people to believe an ability to wait without agitation is an admirable quality. Patience often goes against our instincts. It is something everyone struggles with. Yeah, no kidding. The good news, patience is a skill. Okay, so where did this... It's hard to pin down because it's been around for a long time. Some date it back to Cato to the elder in the third or fourth century. Others attribute it to the Canterbury Tales written during the 14th century. So Cato was a Latin collection of proverbial wisdom. So he was like the Ben Franklin of his day or something, huh? Yeah. When is it goes back a really long time. And yeah, he wrote of human virtues, patience is most great. Yeah. And then uh, fifth century, there was a, poem titled Psychomania, which that sounds like Silence of the Lambs or something, I don't know, (laughs) describing the conflict between vice and virtue. The main characters were hope, sobriety, chastity, and humility as they fought against pride, wrath, paganism, and avarice. Famous line, patience is a virtue, isn't expressly stated. It is one of the earliest recorded attempts at highlighting patience as a virtue. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. I just found that this morning. And what that means is if this guy Cato wrote it down in like the third or fourth century in a collection of proverbial wisdom and morality, that means that the concept was around probably long before that. And he's just the oldest writing that we can find that says it, right? So, yeah, the concept's been around for a long time, for sure. Did you ever hear, I don't know where I heard this uh, a while ago, it seems to tie into this. There was some kind of king that that, uh, posed a question to his uh, inner circle of advisors. He said, I want you guys to go away and come back to me with a phrase that I can use in any situation. Hmm. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. I need I need you guys, all you uh, uh, philosophers, go away. <laughs> Come back and <clears throat> give me something I can say, no matter what the heck's going on in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. They came back in a few days and said, we got it. Oh, really? Okay. What is it? This too shall pass. That was yeah. it. 
Which is another one of our slogans, isn't it? Yeah. This too shall pass yeah. is, uh, applies to almost everything, good and bad. In the Unbeing podcast, she was talking with a musician, which is not really relevant, but she was talking about this book called When Things Fall Apart by Pima Chodron. At one point, they were talking about this too shall pass. That sometimes that means the good things go away. There's a lot of good things that we think went away, but it also means that the the bad things, the hard times will go away. They will pass. The last thing I'll finish, I just wanted to get this in. <laughs> I heard this a while ago. It seems to tie right into restraint and my story, a little pathetic tale of Eorisms. I've seldom gotten myself into trouble for something I didn't say. Oh, boy. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. For strength. We also had a couple of emails from listeners about patience and tolerance. Roberta wrote, Patience and tolerance. For me, I have more of both due to the tools of this program. When I start losing my patience and tolerance, let's use driving as an example. Someone is going too slow. Someone cuts me off. I say immediately, bless them, change me. I feel people and family are doing the best they can, and I like to give them the benefit of that too. I try to be extra courteous right now to people, especially essential workers. Emotions are all over the place for lots of people, and I believe and hope. The more patience and tolerance I have, the more I may affect another person too. Thank you. Thank you, Roberta. Marcy says, Hey, Spencer, I think these two words have a whole new meaning for me since COVID. I've always considered myself a very patient person, a special education teacher by trade, and always tolerant of nearly anyone about anything except the obvious no-nos. However, since the advent of COVID and having to experience the world in a whole new light, I'm finding there is not enough patience and tolerance in the world to deal with some of the things we are facing. I have to get ready for near war or battle just to buy groceries and then endure people refusing to wear a mask because it's their right. I have to have patience and tolerance to decide how much media and information I will allow into my mind. I have found myself to be a very intolerant of a lot of people I know and strangers based solely on how they are behaving during COVID. I am losing my patience with having to be quarantined. We are on day 70. And I am losing my patience with how much fear I feel about the future. I think I could go on and on about this, and I do hope you do an episode on these topics. Very timely, very needed. Thank you, Marcy. Thank you. I'm going to go to that first song here. You had a couple of songs that you picked. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this one in particular. Did they pick you? Just, I'm not sure. Oh, my which, God. Right? Yeah, no, they picked me. This one just picked me. I mean, I've been listening to John Mayer forever and play some of his music. And sure enough, a few days after, I just said too much, went too far, didn't have restraint of tongue and thumb. My phone just automatically plays when I get in the car sometimes. And there it is, my stupid mouth, my John Mayer. Ah, or maybe my stupid thumbs. My stupid mouth has got me in trouble. I said too much again to a date over dinner yesterday. And I could see she was offended. She said, well, anyway, just dying for a subject change. <laughs> Another social casualty. Score one more for me. How could I forget? Mama said, think before speaking. No filter in my head. Oh, what's a boy to do? I guess he better find one soon. <laughs> Maybe I need the filter of patience. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery. How have we experienced recovery this week? You feel like going first? Sure. Just a lot of meetings. I mean, more than, <clears throat> probably more than ever because they're so available. I've been starting my days with an early bird meeting where typically we read the three daily readers. So get that in my head. First thing in the morning, 7.30, uh, meeting is online. Obviously a Zoom meeting. I can lay in bed and hear the three readers. I'm doing that every morning, almost. It's grown from two months ago, 10 or 12 people now up to some days, 50. Hmm. And the other meetings, pretty regular as as I have been in the past. Most of the meetings I went to went online to Zoom. 
but have grown actually because people are coming back to the rooms that have moved away, coming back to their home group. For instance, if they've moved to Florida years and years ago, they'll pop in and I remember them and they, they join their, their same group from wherever they are. So it's been, it's been great. I heard this yesterday, re- recovering one transaction at a time like that. Hmm. And I heard this on an early bird meeting. It's a great day because I'm not in control. Hmm. Yeah, I shared that one with you. And then the other I heard, the grass that is greener is the grass that I water. Lots of good stuff to get our medicine or vitamins through our ears these days. Yeah. And a lot of fishing, which is a, I've been fishing again, starting again. And that's certainly an exercise of patience. And actually didn't finish the garden. I don't even know what day it is. The world is upside down when in the morning I wake up and I ask my Alexa, what day is it? (laughs) Alexa, (laughs) what day is it? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Is it Tuesday or is it Monday? It's Saturday. Really, they all kind of blend together. Yeah, I finished the garden and now I'm going to be patient and watch it grow. It's done. Everything's plugged in and I just water it and I'll have vegetables probably in August. Yeah, I want vegetables now. <laughs> I, Go buy them. Uh, you, can't, you can't grow them overnight. I know, I know. All right, let me think about the recovery week. Meeting last night opened with a uh, reading from Hope for Today for May 24th. This reading starts, I've found many helpful statements in the suggested welcome and closing to our meetings, but the one that helped me the most is, let there be no gossip or criticism of one another. It really struck me because this is something that that I came to realize was something that was a problem for me. After I'd been in the program for a while, then as, as our eyes start to open, as we start to see ourselves realizing that I did this thing, it was particularly toxic at work around that time that we were in an atmosphere at work of gathering in small groups in an office with the door shut and talking about the people who weren't there and how they were not doing things right and how they were so frustrating and stuff like that. Uh, that's as far as I'm going to go with <laughs> recounting. And, I I started to see as I woke up in, in the program that this was not only harmful to our ability to work together, it was also harmful to my emotional state. At some point, and it probably was more than one time, I made a decision to try not to engage in that sort of conversation at least not contribute to it at best disengage or redirect the conversation to positive topics. The atmosphere, this, this toxicity at work was not helped by having a person in a position of power who basically, and I know I'm exaggerating here, but this is, this is what I came to understand was he was the kind of person that would tell every person, other person, what they wanted to hear, whether it immediately contradicted what he just told somebody else or not. That atmosphere didn't help, but feeding the gossip machine that I then participated in caused a lot more damage, I think. It's hard. It's hard to not gossip sometimes. It's hard to not talk about the person who's not there. The reading goes on to talk about how this person made a decision to not talk about people who weren't present in the conversation, or at least not talk about how they felt about them. Sometimes you have to talk about other people. And somebody in the meeting brought up this question, like, at work, as a supervisor, he has to talk about other people. Because they, if people are being problems in the workspace, this is something that has to be talked about by the the managerial staff to decide what to do and that, and how that's very difficult to draw a line between appropriate conversation about somebody's performance and gossip. 
I realized that I have felt that same discomfort. That when there's somebody that I'm working with that I'm having issues with, and I'm having actual like performance issues, not emotional issues or whatever, sometimes emotional, but mostly performance that I have to have that conversation with their supervisor. And it feels a little icky, but it's something that it's a conversation that has to happen. So I I think I'm still working on where exactly the line is for that. So it was just, here's the reading for today. I mean, sometimes the reading for today opens up something I didn't even know was something that I needed to look at. And now it did. So that was pretty cool experience. I have been trying to practice taking care of myself, taking care of my physical body. I'm not obviously able to go to the gym these days, and I have not been doing any of my sort of weight-bearing exercises, but I have been trying to do some walking every day, which at least keeps my, my cardio system working. So this morning before... Coming on here, the dog and I went a couple of miles. Saturday morning, we went like three and a half miles. He was so tired. I mean, I was I was a little tired and sore, but he was lying on the floor panting for like half an hour. I was like, oh my God, I got you so overheated. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's not used to this warm weather. We've only had him since August, and uh, he's not used to it, I guess, since it's been winter. Anyway... So that's a thing. It's like being being aware that this is there are things that that I need to do and I can't do them the way that I had done them and I have to change sort of change how I do things to keep on with the with taking care. Yeah. Have you seen I think I sent you uh the uh picture going around about with the dog standing on top of the upper cabinets in the kitchen. <laughs> the caption is listen I've been walked 20 times in the last two days by you. Would you people just leave me alone? <laughs> the dog's exhausted. My yeah. dog's getting a lot of exercise. <laughs> right. So my dog is not at that point. He was exhausted, but I was probably telling Amy that we had done this thing, and I used the, the W word. And he's lying over there like, <laughs> and and I said this word, and his head pops up, and his ears pop up, and he looks at me. Like he's ready, (laughs) (laughs) living in the moment. Oh yeah. Living in the moment. We had a couple of shares from Alina about tradition five and the topic of faith over fear as she continues to share on her musings over our back catalog and reminding me about the back catalog. Hi, my name's Alina. I just wanted to share on episode 73, which was regarding Tradition 5. The traditions are always a tough one because I don't really spend a lot of time on them, and I know I should. And, you know, working on my steps, I'm on step 12, so I'm thinking that I should really dive into the traditions and kind of see what, what that's all about, what it means to me. I know we read them, I understand them, but I never really sit down and really put my thoughts down or anything like that. I guess some of the questions that were in the description was, why do we keep coming back when we feel better? And why do we still come? And what does Al-Anon mean? And how do we encourage our alcoholic relatives and friends? For me, I know that in the beginning, I never really understood what made this program, I don't know, for me so special. The fact that I could feel a certain way, I could be down on myself, I could feel alone, I could feel just destroyed and I can go to a meeting and just interact with people or even just call somebody in the program and they'll help me reason things out. I don't know, it's just a a grateful thing to have and a blessing really. Over time, I began to realize that once I feel better or once I think I have things under control, it doesn't mean that I still don't need the program. I really do. I can apply it to my qualifier. I can apply it to my family. I can apply it to my relations at work. There's so much out there that just can help me understand things a lot better and just help me get through the day. You know, that whole idea of just one day at a time and living living in the moment and just not worrying about things that are out of my control have just helped me immensely. I think it would just harm me if I didn't 
practice my program or go to Al-Anon or talk to my sponsor or if I just stopped. But there are times where I feel overwhelmed and frustrated and wonder why can't everyone else have this program and it'd be so much easier. But I can't worry about that. I can't worry about someone else or take their inventory. I just have to worry about myself. I know that I have two qualifiers. Both of them are not in a program. One is clean and sober 20 months. There are issues in the beginning. I thought, oh, once they got clean and things would be better and I'd be happier. I wouldn't have to deal with so much. But there still is that underlying things that go on with someone in addiction, whether they're clean or not. And as far as my other qualifier, I I have to remind myself he's an alcoholic and he has um, a disease and that I have to accept that. I do love him and, and I have to remind myself of that constantly. And that does help. So anyway, I really need to focus more too on the traditions and what they can do for me and how I can apply them to my life. I wanted to share on episode 74 on having faith over fear. This topic was really good. And it's kind of funny. I did my meditation this morning and there was a quote by H. Jackson Brown Jr. that said, remember that everyone you meet is afraid of something, has loved something and has lost something. It just reminds me to be gentle and kind. And even when other people are having a bad day, I just have to take a breath and know that it's not about me. The same with myself. I can't be so hard on myself. I relied on a lot of faith when my qualifier was in active addiction. My head just went crazy, praying a lot and relying on my higher power helped me get through those times. And so when I think that I'm in despair or upset, I think about the times that I was really, really, really struggling and how I got through it. You know, at the moment, it probably didn't seem like a lot. And I felt like there was no end to what I was feeling or going through, but I got through it and I'm stronger now for it. Faith plays a big role. I love that word too. I always rely on hope as well. You know, there are things that I fear all the time. You know, growing up, fear was like the reason why I didn't maybe pursue a lot of things in life. I just figured, oh, they'll just happen as they're supposed to. I didn't rely too much on taking chances or doing things out of my comfort zone or talking to people or getting out there and kind of been an introvert most of my life. But I find myself since I've been attending Al-Anon, meeting new people and just reaching out because I know that it makes a difference for me when other people maybe just take that few seconds just to say hello or just ask somebody how they're doing makes a difference for me. So I try to remember that a lot, you know, fear. I mean, it's a feeling and it's comes and goes just like anything else, whether it's sadness or anger or happiness. So I just have to remember to, I guess my sponsor had said, feel it and do it anyway. So I just have to remind myself of that. I really like this topic. Fear is always a scary subject to talk about. Having faith does help and it and it just helps get you through that uncomfortable period or whatever you're going through and just know that everyone has something that they're afraid of. But it's just how we respond to it too. Right now it's March 2020 and we're dealing with the coronavirus and things are just starting to resume back to semi-normal. Things are starting to open. We're starting to gradually implement things back to normal life. But that's another thing to talk about. It is scary because you don't know. You hear them saying that there's going to be a second wave. I don't know. I just try to do what I feel is right for myself and not really tell other people how to live their life. I know that there's been a lot of my clients that are very, very understanding in the beginning. And now it's getting to the point where I don't know if people are getting stir crazy or irritated or for whatever reason, but the last couple of days I've had at least one client that's like blown out of proportion and upset about something. And that's always hard to deal with. I just have to take a breath and deal with it as it comes. And I can't let it affect me to the point where it's going to affect my ability to perform my job or deal with the next client I get on the phone with or encounter at my hospital. I appreciate the podcast and I thank you for being there and I thank you for letting me share. A listener wrote to me recently 
And she expressed concern that she'd been hearing a lot of negativity in meetings recently, that it seemed like sometimes she would come away from a meeting feeling worse than she went in. And she said, this is not what I come to Al-Anon for. I thought we were supposed to be focusing on the solution here. I thought we were supposed to be sharing our recovery with each other. I thought, I don't see that a lot in the meetings that I'm going to, but I could totally see how that could happen. When we're in a situation, we're in an economic situation where a lot of people are suffering. We're in a social situation where we're suffering from separation from people that are important to us. There is, there is suffering there. And, and I understand that we need to talk about that. The usual thing that is said is, bring your problems to your sponsoring your solutions to the meeting, but sometimes maybe you don't have a sponsor, you're new. I remember going to a couple of meetings when I was fairly new in the program and people were just talking about how horrible things were. And somehow I understood that that was not good for me. That was not what I wanted. And luckily I'm in a place where there are other meetings that I can choose to go to that, that don't do that. Anyway, So she asked, how can we stay focused on solutions instead of bemoaning the problems? We come to Elanon for recovery. We come to get better. And meetings where we just talk about the problem don't help us recover and get better. So here's a question for you as you're listening, and hopefully you will contribute. How do you focus on the solution even when things are not going well for you? And how can you bring that to your meetings? So I'd love to hear from anybody who has thoughts on that, particularly positive thoughts, you can leave us a voicemail or send us an email. How do people do that, Eric? You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now, 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. You can also send a voice memo or email to feedback at the recovery.show. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic, patience and tolerance, or any of our upcoming topics, including staying focused on the solution. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Our website is therecovery.show, where we have all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, links to the readings, videos for the music, and so on. You can find the notes for this episode with links to the readings and videos for the music at therecovery.show slash 333. I picked a song for number two here. This is by George Michael. It's called Waiting. Some lyrics here. There ain't no point in moving on until you've got somewhere to go. And the road that I have walked upon, well, it filled my pockets and emptied out my soul. All those insecurities that have held me down for so long, I can't say I've found a cure for these, but at least I know them, so they're not so strong. And at the end, but you once said there's a way back for every man, so here I am. Don't people change? Here I am. Is it too late to try again? This feels to me just like, a message of recovery in some kind of program. I think he's talking about love here, a relationship, but I can see this as the slow progress in a program of recovery as well, if we have the patience. Yeah. Got a couple of emails this week. Both anonymous. One person who wrote, currently I am listening to this episode. The title was, I didn't get sober for this shit, and it's episode 212. And if you don't remember that episode, or if you haven't heard it, I found, I don't know if you'd call it a poem or not, an essay titled, I didn't get sober for this shit. And it talks about all the things that the person didn't get sober to have to deal with. Our our listener continues, I love the format of asking questions and answering them. This episode was fantastic. Thank you for your honesty. Interesting to hear the word choice discarding as letting go. 
I'm not sure to manage how I do life, though I know it's not healthy for me to hold on to my resentment and anger toward my ex. I've been trying to understand what codependent means and found this online. Maybe the questions could be an episode prompt. Maybe for letting go, need to control detachment, all things that seem pretty elusive to me, to be honest. And here's a reading. Letting go of the need to control. The rewards from detachment are great. Serenity, a deep sense of purpose, the ability to give and receive love in self-enhancing, energizing ways, and the freedom to find real solutions to our problems. And I guess there's a quote here from Codependent No More. Letting go of our need to control can set us and others free. It can set our higher power free to send the best to us. If we aren't trying to control someone or something, what would we be doing differently? What would we do that we're not letting ourselves do now? Where would we go? What would we say? What decisions would we make? Who would we ask for? What boundaries would be set? When would we say no or yes? If we weren't trying to control whether a person liked us or his or her reaction to us, what would we do differently? If we weren't trying to control the course of a relationship, what would we do differently? If we weren't trying to control another person's behavior, how would we think, feel, speak, and behave differently than we do now? What haven't we been letting ourselves do while hoping that self-denial would influence a particular situation or person? Are there some things we've been doing that we'd stop? How would we treat ourselves differently? Would we let ourselves enjoy life more and feel better right now? Would we stop feeling so bad? Would we treat ourselves better? If we weren't trying to control, what would we do differently? Make a list, then do it. Today, I will ask myself what I would be doing differently if I weren't trying to control. When I hear the answer, I will do it. God, help me let go of my need to control. Help me set myself and others free. Pretty good. Oh, man. Yeah. Our listener continues. Also, I just listened to the episode Hope Means Possibility, number 328 with a couple of acronyms, HOPE, however other possibilities exist, and HOPE, Happy Hour Program exists. I have a few topic suggestions. Recovery for professional people who, quotes, should know better, yet need the 12 steps, therapists, doctors, etc., experience on overcoming that. How to share finances with an ex who is a dry drunk and children are involved. Ugh. What is codependency in general and codependent anonymous, detaching with love, with loved ones who have depression or other mental illness. Also, maybe a roundtable episode of people willing to talk about their experience of being angry at a family member and not speaking to them for a long time, and how they managed that or how it got resolved. Thanks for the podcast, Eric and Spencer. Really has helped me more than I can say. Thank you. Lots of great ideas there. Anybody wants to uh, give me some share on those ideas, be happy to hear them from you. And another anonymous correspondent writes, Blessings to you and Amy. I listened to Sober Speak where you shared. And this listener is referring to the Sober Speak podcast where Amy and I did an episode, my wife and I did an episode about our shared recovery experience, which I republished here on the Recovery Show as episode 294. Listener continues, I've listened to the Recovery Show for a couple of years. You've mentioned Sober Speak and I finally listened to some. I know this is rambling, but that's where my head is. Thank you for the hope you gave me today for my loved one. I know it's progressive, and I see it every day. Someone I share a house with. I don't see drunk, stumbling, etc. They're functioning, but they never leave the house. Someone else supplies the alcohol, not me. The shaking, we are all in denial big time. Surviving, coping, existing. I'm at a loss. I know I'm powerless. It is not my responsibility, nor do I have any control, if they will ever enter recovery. Working hard for my own mental and physical care. I do not drink. I love the online meetings. Seems I go from one to the other. Love the podcasts. Well, enough rambling. Honestly, very discouraged. Thank you deeply for the grain of hope, Anonymous. Thank you for writing. And yeah, things are tough right now. I hope that you have someone that you can talk to one-on-one. Maybe someone that you've met in a meeting. Someone that feels like they have something that you want. Maybe they have been where you are, or maybe they still are where you are, but they're not suffering as much as you are. Someone you can share with, because for me, the power, real power of this program comes in those heart-to-heart conversations that we can have when we can be 
really open and honest about how we're feeling, how we're struggling, and how we're finding ways through. I won't say out. I won't say away, because those are not necessarily possible right now, but through. So if you if you don't have somebody, I encourage you to ask somebody, can I can I call you? Can we talk? And if that person doesn't work, keep trying. Because there is somebody that you can share with who can give you that hope, who can give you that understanding that you're not alone, that it sounds like you're searching for. Just some thoughts. Got it. One more song. It's a John Mayer song, Emoji, I think yeah. it is. It's raining on the mission bell. The draining out the wishing well breaks my heart. It's just a wave I know that, that when it comes, I just hold on. I just hold on. For me, that means this too shall pass. Patience and tolerance. All right. We will get through it. And uh, I'll go and I wish you a slow recovery. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish you a slow recovery back. too. I, I heard that a long time ago. I hated it. Now I love it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks All right. a lot. Have a great day, buddy. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.